The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Friday, 29th of May. The Fujicast. Welcome to the Fujicast. Um, for another three days, of course, we're, we're daily, and then we go weekly again from the 8th of June, Monday the 8th of June. Hello, Kev, how are you? I'm okay. Nice day, isn't how, it? How's the, yeah, it's a beautiful day. How's the, uh, the, the no beer week going? Very, very well? All right, yeah. So, uh, what day is it today? Friday. Friday, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, don't know, don't know. Nearly done a whole five days. Whoa, go me. Not, not even a snifter. Not even a snifter. Not even no, a snifter. Oh, good for you. I went for um, a legal now, a socially distanced walk uh, with uh, with Giles Penfound, friend of the show. Uh, it was really odd being actually seeing somebody that wasn't my wife or children. <laughs> has, has he put on seven stone like us? <laughs> no, he actually he looks like Daniel Milner now, who he has his man crush on. And oh. uh, yeah, yeah, so I've never seen him look so fit. No, not at all. I think we're both as bad as each other. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying that. He's all man, is our is our Giles. Anyway, welcome to Friday. Um, tomorrow, of course, we have our... Uh, interview of the week and this week it's Bert Stefani uh, interviewed by no, none other than uh, than Mullins himself uh, mm. but uh, as always we've got your questions and your thoughts here and we'll, we'll dig into these now um, so this one is from Bill Hartley hello Kevin hello Neil following today's episode I thought the following may be of interest maybe to Kevin anyway there's a website called the Rugby Journal that produces a quarterly mag for, for rugby at all levels it's a magazine actually can't you know this is rugby you can't you can't shorten it to mag or zine because it's rugby. Grassroots, rugby. Rugby. Grassroots and upwards that might, might be of interest. Images that support the editorial, consistently good, if not outstanding, and are worth the effort of a browse for these alone. Their Instagram is at the rugby journal. It costs nothing to look. And he's quite right. Are you aware of that one? Uh, uh, yeah, well, I think I'd crossed it in the past. But yeah, I'm just looking at it now. Yeah, first person to pop up is my mate Adam Jones. Uh, so yeah, I'm Chinna Rugby Club. Used to play against them. Did you? Yeah. You were with London Welsh, so I would I, I, I would have thought some. I wasn't expecting Chinna to be one of the. Oh, don't forget, I played a lot of social rugby, veterans rugby, oh. and all that kind of stuff. So what age did you become? We a... all kinds of teams. We used to play. We used to play um, all the the kind of socially. We used to play yeah. people like London Nigerian. We used oh. to play against Kings Cross Steelers. We used to play well all over the country, all over the world. In fact, all, well all over Europe in um, our rugby tours that I can't really remember. But yeah, loads. <laughs> <laughs> of teams. That was not a non non beer outing, was it? Who who were the if you if you ever had a sort of a, a, a sort of real cruncher club that 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 you saw on the calendar coming up? Who who would you fear the most? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, we used to when we used to play against. Um, yeah, I mean, London Nigerians were very. They were big and fast. Yeah. And um, but I used to like the um, kind of when we were playing veterans rugby, we'd play against uh, London Fijians, and they were great because we used to, as part of our um, social etiquette, we would have a bottle of port and some cheese at half time. Right. At uh, half time, yeah, we would take that everywhere. We went. We'd have a bottle of port and cheese, so we, we, we'd we'd thump the crap out of each other. Then at half time, we'd pull out this little card table and put out some port and cheese for everybody. It does sound very weird. Port and cheese. Oh, damn! mind if I do pass it across, Marlins. <laughs> and then uh, they would they would continue to be because they're big boys. Those Fijians, they yeah. continue to and fast and run around us and thump us and all that. 
and then afterwards they'd give us um not rosettes the the, the kind of flowers that they put around your necks oh i know uh, the ones you mean when, when you go to places like well fiji hawaii all those sort of places have yeah. them don't they? Oh, what are they called oh i know what you mean though i know what you mean I can't remember. Anyway, and Garland, then we would go Garland, and, Garland. Garland. That's yeah. it. And we would, um, uh, and then they would, they would bring out their their Fijian their gin or vodka, or whatever it was. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, very uh, memorable up until about seven o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd probably say, "Let's go and play another half." Come on, boys. <laughs> yeah, we did. Actually, I remember playing a couple of games in the night time. We'd play on, on a Saturday. And then we'd we'd play kind of under the floodlights later on, like charity games and stuff. They were great because you'd had a couple of beers by then, and uh, you were even more um, in a in a in a a tournament. How many days between would you need off just for your bodies to recover from the beatings that you were getting? Ah, it's it's hard. I mean, don't forget, in those days, it wasn't anything like it is now. When you look at rugby players these days, cripes, they're like monsters and machines. You know, they're just subhuman. So, you know, we would just play and then train in the week and then play again on Saturday. And, you know, I was there. I try not to go out and have too much to drink on a Friday night, but often we did. Yeah. <laughs> Came of the game. Well, do, I mean, sport has changed a lot, hasn't it? My, my grandfather with his uh, sweet shop on the old old Cambridge Road on the A10, just, just north London. Um, he used to, I mean, he was the tobacconist for, for pretty much the whole of the Tottenham Hotspur squad. I mean, that there, there's a phrase you would not use in sport these days. Yeah. yeah. They wouldn't Absolutely. be popping in to get their tobacco before a match. Anyway, he did have a question for the show, did Bill Hartley. Question for the episodes, maybe, but do you think that the, the current enforced time off will require photographers to exercise to return to previous skill and mental levels prior to getting back to whatever professional genre? Maybe even real exercise to prepare the body for those nine hours a day on your feet as a, as a wedding photographer. Cheers, Bill. Well, I think we've proved over the last uh, couple of weeks that we're not as fit as we were nine weeks ago. No, definitely not. Blimey, I've, I've been for a couple of runs this week and I was running a lot further, a lot faster and a, in a lot quicker time than, I, than I'm running now. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a valid point, actually. I, if, if I was expected to go and shoot a 10-hour wedding tomorrow, I would struggle. I'd be able to do it, but I would struggle. Uh, probably the day after I'd feel it a little bit more. Mm, yeah, good good point. I, I noticed a weird thing, actually. Nine weeks in isolation, we've had pretty good weather, haven't we? So I, I've only actually worn soft trainers when I go out. And no need for posh shoes. Um, so oh, I did, no. however, the other day, pop on my walking boots. Uh, and did a longer walk. Oh, tell you what, Kev, blister central. I'm going to have to practice wearing normal shoes again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, and, and kind of trousers and yeah, yeah, shirts. Uh, well, I've been wearing my yeah. trousers. Are. <laughs> well, I've been wearing trousers. What are you? Are you just are you trouserless in the house? We don't want to know. <laughs> but uh, uh, but uh, one of the things that's been mooted, of course, now moving ahead for the next six to twelve months, Kev, is is a level of, of fitness in case you do get ill. That's really important. Sort of level of basic fitness. Um, we had a whole load of stuff about the 100 uh, F and V. I'm I'm never quite sure, Kev. People have accused us of this over the last week. Do, do uh, have we been just comparing those two cameras? Which is odd because neither you or I have a V, and it seems that people feel that we're we're somehow obsessed with uh, the battle between the the 100 F or the V. I don't think so. Every time I get asked the question, I just say I haven't got, haven't one, got one, so I, I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> I can't uh, really compare it. Neil Swanson and Mark Dell wrote uh, a really good um, 
few paragraphs on it in. Um, Neil Swanson said he'd owned an X-Pro2 for about a year, later got an X-H1 when they were deeply discounted. Immediately loved the far better EVF of the X-H over the X-Pro. When the X-Pro3 was announced, the viewfinder was one of the big improvements. And um, so... So, so better finder in hand, I can tell you that the, the autofocus is better on the X-Pro3 than the X-Pro2. And you will find the same on the 100V versus 100F. So the, There you go. So has the viewfinder size changed then? I don't know. I don't know on the X-Pro. <laughs> you have had it in your hands, Mullins, at least I once. Never, I've never used it. I had it for oh. like 15 minutes as a, as a, when it was not even released, and that was a prototype, so I didn't use it. I don't know. Honestly, I do not know. I am sure it's better. It makes yeah. sense that it's better. And everybody, all of the people in the uh, Fitchcast Facebook group that have it, and there's a lot of them, yeah. say it's great. You know, a lot of them are swearing by it. Um, I noticed that they did release a new firmware update for the X100V to address some kind of overheating issues a couple of days ago. But, yeah, I mean, looks great. I, I really want one. I have to say, I do really want one. I'm, I'm kind of that, that. If I had the money, that would be the thing I would yeah. be spending my money on before I went to Spain, which I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, Mark Dale, just um, quickly on, on the top of that, and to close this one off then, said the Mark II lens is simply amazing in comparison to the F I owned, and its micro-contrast and rendering of details is sublime. It's interesting because, you know, I... Um, I'm, should, I don't think I'm okay to say this kind of stuff, but I, I was in, I went to Tokyo and Dubai where we, we did product meetings and looked at the specifications and the changes and uh, ideas for the new camera and new versions of the X100V. And, um, you know, so the, the, the new lens was something that we talked about a lot and this idea of whether it would be, uh, you know, whether, whether it would take away the fact that the, the new lens is, is brand new and sharper and everything, whether that would take away some of the charm of the ex previous X100s, mm. which, you know, to a lot of people liked the fact that it was, uh, you, you know, kind of wasn't exactly the sharpest tool in the box, if you like, at F2. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there was, there was com conversations about that and we talked about the ND filters and we talked about all kinds of stuff and you know I spent quite a lot of time with the prototypes and the designs and all those various things but I've not seen the final thing oh, no. so I don't know for sure it's, but <laughs> there, there's some things you do know about I mean Mark, Mark also said the ISO dial is easy to use now no lifting and twiddling as before um, yeah it's it's lift and lock perfect d-pad replacement with a little toggle navigation system works well once you get used to it ND4 um built-in filter great upgrade to the camera and has been so useful in the the current sunny weather all the dials click properly i mean there we everybody there's, there's not a word against it is there i'm going to put you in the not a word against it pile um hopefully me and kev will will have one one day subcategory pile anyway yeah. Um, oh yes uh, there's a thread in the Fujicast group that caught my eye an SEO question stand by uh, SEO question so maybe one for Kev or any other SEO gurus go no further does duplicating content across website Facebook and, uh, and Instagram harm SEO now Andy Stonia actually jumped in and, and had um, his thoughts on this. He said, I would Coco. In Yoast, the WordPress SEO plugin, you have the social tab, so you can tweak how Facebook and Twitter view the same post. Duplication of content is a big no-no. I thought, see, I'd always thought, Kevin, you're going to say I'm wrong now, that because Google doesn't, I didn't think anyway, or can't index Facebook or Insta, that you were fairly safe to copy a little content across if you needed to. Am I wrong? 
No. So there's a couple of points here. So Andy mentioned that you can have different snippets, if you like, for the um, the previews that you see on social media and you do that you do on Google, and that and 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 he's right. You can. Um, but that's not necessarily to to pacify any kind of duplicate content goblins. It's because sometimes the wording that you use on social media and the structure and the sentences are longer and you, you've got more of a call to action option. You might want to use a different image on social media than you do in, in Google previews, etc. Um, you're kind of right about Google and Facebook. For example, Google does not index facebook personal content they hate each other you can actually that deep down in your facebook personal menu options there is an option to allow google to index your stuff but it's very rare for people to switch that on it's not on by default um it can index your business pages though your public facing business pages oh i didn't know that Um, but i would not have any um you know to me it's not an issue that you have similar content on your facebook business page as you do on your website you know google is clever enough to figure out actually that's social media sharing and what you don't want to be doing in terms of duplicate content is copying other people's content for example uh you know kind of just if you're writing about a wedding venue just copying stuff off their website onto your website that's that's definitely a no-no you want to try and avoid duplicate content on your own website so overusing of things like categories and tags can often lead you into trouble on that on that note quickly before you go to the next one if you uh, you mentioned copying something from another person's website does that damage them as well as you no it can't do can it because that wouldn't seem fair well it's, it's going to penalize you rather than them isn't it it depends actually on how the the website set up initially so if they have proper dated um, canonicals <laughs> then what? google will, yeah exactly i'm not even going to say it again it's hard for me to say it then google will figure it all out but yes yeah, so you can be penalized but potentially the original person could be penalized as well and certainly oh, you, you know a few years ago it, that was the case mm. um but people don't typically do that on purpose i mean you know it's it, it can happen there's a really good tool called copyscape well, which I've, heard of, I've heard of that a copyscape will allow you to put in your own url and then see if other people have copied it for a start and uh you know you can just double check that nobody's using your your, your about page or your your yeah, style yeah, page etc yeah. i've given up doing that, that because so many people copy my wedding photojournalism pages it's beyond belief and so i just stop looking now but that's but, going to be doing you damage though isn't it so sure, <laughs> surely you'd want to send them a cease and desist uh, mail yeah you can i've done it in the past and you know most of them just totally ignore it you can't do anything about it ultimately i mean you can get in touch with their isp and complain but the time and effort involved google is clever enough these days to understand the the original source of content so i'm not i'm not overly worried about it just feel sorry for them for not having the the common sense to do it themselves um rob conahan in sunny always sunny california though frankly it's always sunny in malmesbury and newbury these days as well it's incredible Um, isn't it yeah we think mother nature is looking out for us (laughs) I, i i think she is the gemma button i feel like you need to reassign your Gemma button from the current wolf growl to the heavenly sound you used recently oh um so oh, in- instead of this one you mean this one 
She sounds like a wonderfully supportive wife who is able to build furniture as well as fix everything, including the kitchen sink. Quite literally, actually, whilst Kevin is hiding from a maybug in his children's room. No disrespect, <laughs> Kev. Keep up the great work, guys. I'm going to really miss you. Um, on the on the dailies, that is. Well, because uh, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> we are back again. Well, I'm hoping Kev may one day uh, appear on the new daily, to be honest, um, Rob. I really am. If, if I, ever I can... Uh, it's like a football player. If I can afford to sign the Mullins up, uh, photo- <laughs> Photography Daily starts Monday. Hint, hint. Make sure you go and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Um, but, but yeah, if, if uh, well, if I could afford Kev, I'd, I'd bring him into my team. I'd put him into the right shirt, rugby shirt, obviously not football. But <laughs> as, for the, as for the Gemma button, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Gemma is a multi-talented woman for sure, but all these, she, la- she's got lots of layers and she, she does she does have a proper growl as well. <laughs> don't you think, Kev? Or do you have to be careful what you say? Uh, yeah, I think she's very <laughs> heavenly as well. She, she is indeed. heavenly, yeah. Well, she puts up with you. That's got to be fairly heavenly, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Rachel, um, I learned something today about you Welsh folk. Um, rimmel is pronounced rimmel because um, if it's a well, rimmel, is that right? R-I-M-M-E-L-L. If you were saying it in, in Welsh land, it would be rimmel, not, not rimmel. Perhaps, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's lots of different... It's not a particularly Welsh name, is it? Rimmel, no, as far as I'm really. aware, or rimmel, but... Yeah. Depends how it's spelled. I can't see it. So, Hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. I've been an intermittent listener to your podcast for a little while, enjoying catching up on the missed episodes and listening to you both while half-arsedly attempting to homeschool and more enthusiastically decorating. Do you know mm. what, Kev? Homeschool has proved to me just how thick I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you tried to do any of Rose's maths homework. I did try, and uh, she was having a real kind of panic about this particular thing, and I was like, oh, it's all right, let me help you out, darling. And then after about 20 minutes of me just staring randomly at these numbers, <laughs> she just went and did it. And I was like, hmm, yeah, that's how you do it. I have no idea. It is I, literally, literally, it was like learning Greek. It is the question no I'm, I most fear, Kev, um, when, I, when I go into that room and he's doing his homework on the computer and he says, Daddy, and I'm thinking, please don't that be a maths question. No, no, no. I've got, I've got a problem with my maths. <laughs> Phone granddad, he knows. He's a former maths teacher. Thank God he was. Um, and, and actually, uh, the other day, our, our nine-year-old um, had, a, had a, in his maths homework as well. <laughs> I couldn't help him. And Jack went to his assistance. <laughs> it's also different, though. It's I could, I could understand the question, but the way they worked it out was just weird. Uh, you know, it's like, I don't know. It just was just weird. It's also very different from when I was a child. I, I think we just did mental maths, didn't we? Um, I mean, it was just all about adding up on the fly as quickly as you possibly could. Well, did you, you, you would have had those abacuses to help you then. No, oh, you? shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to your discussions about whether, given the chance, you'd have gone to the various conflict zones Don McCullin worked in. It was the likes of McCullin, Lee Miller and so on that inspired me as a young'un to combine my interests in writing and photography and become a photojournalist over 20 years ago. After training, I realised that I am in actual fact a total coward. And despite my aspirations to channel Kate Aidy with a camera, travelling to war zones and putting myself in danger was probably something I was far too fearful to ever really pursue in reality. I found my worry for personal safety sometimes prevented me from pursuing some of the photographic projects I would otherwise undertake and was interested to hear Neil's experience of nearly being mugged while out, I don't know why I'm chuckling, it was horrible, while out alone 
after dark with his camera, deterred him from photographing alone at night in dodgy areas with brand new kit on loan. Aside from the obvious, take somebody with you, which isn't always practical, what advice do you both have for overcoming those fears? And have you ever not pursued a project due to anxiety over safety? All the best, Rachel. Rachel Rymel. Mm. <laughs> um, oh, no, I haven't never. I've never not done something because of anxiety. Uh, not Certainly not photographically mm. that, that I'm aware of. But then I've never really been in those circumstances where I've had the opportunity to do things like that. Mm. Um, you know, I photographed births and things like that, which are very anxious beforehand. But you well, know, were, you an- were you anxious about that gig you did? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done a few of them, though. But yes, I... I um, yeah, of course you're anxious. Not so much anxious about the photography, but just anxious about uh, you know the circumstance and hoping that everything goes well and you know there's no dramas or anything, which luckily there wasn't. So yeah, I think that was that was quite anxious. But but in terms of war zones and stuff like that, yeah, I mean you know you just you, you just wouldn't. I wouldn't. I just couldn't. I couldn't. I don't think I'd have the the guts is the right word because you know my family and everything. If I was a young whippersnapper, twenty year old with the opportunity, perhaps I'd be thinking differently. But uh, I'm not. Yeah, pl- plenty, plenty of photojournalists there that aren't necessarily, as you say, whippersnappers are out there doing it, though, aren't there? Oh no, absolutely, I'm, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not sure I could. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I have to say, my African experience of the last couple of years t- took me to some, take some small, calculated risks. I was always said, walk tall, but don't look arrogant. That was that was the advice. Be alert, but try and find a level where you don't you sort of let that alertness interfere with with your. Um, I don't know what do they call it, inquisition. One thing that I've learned about talking now to plenty of conflict or, if you like, unrest zone photographers is that photojournalists rely so much more on their fixers for security than than ever they did. Um, Once upon a time, I think, carrying a camera gave people a chance to... Uh, tell their story and, 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 and they, you know, people wanted photographers to do that. But now, of course, with smartphones and so on, they can choose when they want to tell their story. So photographers, I think, can be seen as interrupting that choice, don't you think, sometimes? Yeah, that's very true. Technology has changed a lot of things, I guess. And, yeah. uh, you know, when we don't work in those circles, so we don't really understand the impact that's had. But, yeah, I would imagine it's it has had, a, you know, a considerable spin on the way that photography and photographers are seen in in places like that but having talked to people like adam gray as well the photojournalist in new york now okay he's not he's not going off to war or conflict zone but he's had to walk into uh, pretty horrible conflict zones hasn't he in 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 terms of the dangers of being in in hospital and and in infection areas and, and things like that i mean that that that's uh See, I'm not sure I would have a problem doing that, I no. have to say. Okay. It's a little bit like, well, it's it's nothing like the conversation we had about, uh, you know, eating witchetty grubs in the in the, in the the um, jungle on no. I'm a Celebrity. No. But, you know, you work on the assumption and, and you, you know, the best belief that you are protected and, you know, looked after as, as well as you, you should be. Um, everything else is, is an un- unknown. Yeah. But when you go into somewhere like a military zone, that's very different, you know, when people are actively looking to hurt other people. Mm. Whereas in, in in kind of things like documenting the COVID stuff, yes, there's a risk. Of course, there's a risk. But at the same time, I don't, I don't think I'd have a problem with that so much, I have to say. So if, some, if somebody gets said, right, Kev, got the story of the year. Really, I have. Uh, I, I love your work. I love what you do. It's black and white. You can tell the story as you like. But it's a bit of a bit of a funny old area. Here's a potload of money, though, which is going to secure you for a little while. Would you go? Yeah, yeah. As long as it wasn't somewhere where people would, you know, act to to kill each other, I think I probably would. Yeah, I mean, I would. 
uh, yeah, I think I would. I really do think I would. It's hard to think of a, a, a scenario. I once did a portrait shoot for a, a Russian guy who, no, this, this came via a, I can't remember the guy's name, but this came via a magazine in California and uh, Illumini, Illumini? What do they call uh, ex-students? Illumini, Illumini. Illumini, yes. No, I love love that cheese. I put it on the barbecue and I have that. (laughs) He was an an Illumini for this university in California. And so they got in touch with me and they said he's in London and uh, we're doing an article on him. You know, can you go and do some candid portrait? We we want you to basically just photograph him at his desk. You know, he's, he's a very busy man. It's like, yeah, that sounds great. So off I trotted to London and I got outside his office um, and I thought I'd better look him up just to, you know, just in case there's any anything on the Internet. So I looked him up and he's on um, he was on um, the Russian on Putin's most wanted list. Oh, my word. <laughs> and he's had several assassination attempts on him. Right. Uh, and it just so it just so happened that that day there was a new and this hence this is why the story was was being printed there was something that had happened in the press or whatever that uh, that kind of proved that something he said was wrong or right i really can't remember and i probably shouldn't be saying and uh, there was this whole thing and, and uh, putin was getting really angry with him again in the press and i was thinking <laughs> so i was taking these pictures in this this skyscraper in london with all these windows i was thinking Hmm. I hope there's no any kind of crosshairs pointed into this room. <laughs> You've right been watching there. far too much James Bond. <laughs> so I, I think that's not, the closest I, I've come to. I, to yeah, to but I know, I know what you mean. I, I suppose some people are, do you know, some people are just inherently good with taking risks, aren't they? Some people are inherent risk takers and, and some a little bit as safe. Did, did you watch the astronauts, for example, in Musk's, I keep yeah. calling it Tesla rocket. I know it's not a Tesla yeah. rocket, but waiting for liftoff last night because it got abandoned, I, didn't it? I did watch it. Yeah. yeah, I was really, I was, I was like nervous as hell for mm, that. I was. It, uh, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, do, you, do you remember the guy that jumped out of the hot air balloon at the highest altitude or whatever it was? It was a Red Bull stunt. Oh, and then he he flew down with those wings things. He was an Austrian. What was his name? Uh, uh, I know Slo- Slumber Jumber or something. I know I who you mean some... because because he does this quite a lot, doesn't he? He's absolutely mad. It was incredible, and we watched that live. <laughs> and and actually, it turns out that somebody else jumped from even higher weeks later. But it wasn't the, the publicity stunt that um, Red Bull had put all over it, so nobody really noticed. But yeah. the fact that that was filmed live, and you could see him going up and then sitting in his little capsule with his legs dangling over, and you could yeah, see that yeah. the curvature of the Earth below. Yeah, yeah. My word, I was my my heart was in my mouth, uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> I never forget that that footage. You you have to look it up on the internet. We'll we'll figure out. We'll remember what it's called, and I'll put it in the um, show notes. But there was uh, everybody, all of the press had put their cameras in this capsule. So they were all filming and obviously taking pictures remotely and all that kind of stuff. But there was one camera that um, they'd left their lens cap on. Right oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, what a mistake. <laughs> and then he hurled himself out. And uh, and then he went into this spin. And that was the dreaded spin that everybody had said. If he goes into a spin, that, that could be the end of it. It could be, you know, terminal. And uh, and they had the, the guy that had done it previously in like 1960 or something was, was commentating. And he was saying, "Oh, they've gone into a spin." And he was saying, "We should, we should probably cut the cut the footage now." And then he came out of his spin. I wonder like, whether I wonder whether they'd plan that. Oh, I don't know. Because as na- it was na- as narrative goes. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I would hate to think so. Yeah. But but anyway, I mean, the the, the point about um, you know, being born brave or anything. I, I'm not sure it's so much about bravery, but being born with a, a, a storytelling 
vibe inside you. I think yeah. some people have it, some people don't, and some people have the absolute urge and necessity to document and tell stories. And whilst you and I would like to think we probably have that, really we don't you know these these boys going out there and girls going out there and you know on the front line and doing everything that that we we chat about in our lovely little living rooms here Mm. they're the ones with it watching those astronauts just for those few seconds beforehand um when when then it was called off uh, my youngest thomas turned to me and said you're never doing that job daddy and i I turned to him and said (laughs) I think you're quite safe that I probably won't. <laughs> Felix Felix Boom Felix Baumgartner. He was the guy that jumped Fe- out of the Felix who? Baumgartner. No, that's not his name. Baumgartner. What? Felix Baumgartner. That sounds close enough. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is you could go to space because uh Elon Musk is, and um uh, other people are, are planning on allowing people to go to space, aren't they? Mm, yeah. That was the first private p- private spacecraft wasn't it that nasa were using so yeah. it's the plan i noticed by the way the spacesuits are a little you know they're totally different now I mean, they're very much teslaized weren't they very very much teslaized <laughs> yeah. It, 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 like, yeah it looked like they've been branded by apple <laughs> it was like a fashion show going into space well that's it for today back tomorrow now it's uh bert stefani tomorrow um uh, looking forward to that and then sunday of course it's the last of the last of the dailies kev Mm. haven't really planned anything particularly special but I'm sure we'll come up with an idea yes <laughs> okay chat to you then bye bye the Fuji cast is an independent loading zone production goodbye sweetheart well it's time to go we're back tomorrow with another show well unless we're fired we'll talk to you then Goodbye, sweetheart. Goodbye. Goodbye.